Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. I'm JR. And uh, today, uh, of course, Jonathan uh, canceled on us at the last minute, so he's not here. It's very convenient that, you know, it's the longest film we've ever reviewed. And he just happened to, uh, something Something just came up, you know, couldn't, couldn't make it. So, yeah, whatever, we wish him well. Uh, today we're going to be talking about my pick, which is Gettysburg, the Ronald F. Maxwell epic. Uh, is it an epic cheerly sh- uh, due to its length, perhaps? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a four and a half hour uh, movie from Ted Turner and, <laughs> and Ronald F. Maxwell. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that movie as well as other stuff we watched and uh, a couple of trailers and one very uh, controversial news item, which we'll get into shortly. How are you guys doing? Ant. Ant? You know, like, what? Since, <laughs> since I was last on here, uh, I bought a house, started a new job, and uh, I don't watch movies anymore. Oh, so wow. It's a bummer. You're fired. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Only movie watchers on this podcast, bro. That's right, guy. Well, I mean, it's been like... I've basically been at like one a week for the past two months. It's been crazy. Yeah, that is right. pretty nasty for you. Yeah, that's like you're not even you anymore. It kind of feels that way. Mm. I mean, I don't know, though. You watched, you've watched more films than me. What? You wa- I mean, since... since what did you... You watched Diego Maradona, The Death of Impedocles... The Million Dollar Hotel, Cinderella, Gettysburg, uh, Last Harm. I mean, you watch a lot of shit still. It's it's not it's not a lot by your standard. Yeah, I but guess it's, uh, it's a lot compared to this, normal people. This past seven days, I guess, has been more fruitful than than recent weeks. Um, oh shit! I was, yeah, I was, was going to say something great, but it's gone. Where did, where did you see? My brain's broken. Let me just ask you. I don't know if you're going to talk about this one on the show, so let me just ask. Where did you see Street Scenes 1970? It's on YouTube right now. Oh, no shit. I'll send you a link. Thank you, because I would love to watch that. Mm. I'm very interested. I've been wanting to see uh, other of those early documentaries that Scorsese did. Italian-American and so on and so forth. But um, anyway, uh, I guess I'll just say let's, you know, I I just want to talk about, speaking of Scorsese, the man. Just dogging Marvel films. <laughs> That's what you wanted to talk yeah, about, yeah, <laughs> man. What do you What do you guys think about this? You read this, yes? I, I I was I was seeing something earlier today, like uh, Robert Downey Jr. was on Howard Stern, and yeah, I saw Stern, that and too. Stern asked him about it. It's like, and of course Stern being Stern, it's like, aren't you upset? Yeah. Don't you think you should have gotten an Oscar Just for Iron Man? I mean, it was a great pot. performance, and it's like. <laughs> Howard, calm down. Yeah, he's, like, he's ridiculous. He, he seems completely out of touch when he talks about movies, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I completely understand Martin Scorsese saying, well, that's not cinema. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm sure I'm sure he would say that about a lot of movies, not just Marvel. Yeah. Like, it just, ha- but, you know, Marvel happens to be the big name. I that- think he's just saying Marvel as in superhero movies or blockbusters in general. And I think it, mm. it makes sense in the context if you read the entire quote. When he says that it's like a like a like a theme park attraction or something or like right, a like right. a ride in an amusement park or something, you know, it's like yeah, that makes that makes more sense. He's not it's not exactly saying they're not good, they're not good or enjoyable. He's just mm. saying they're not cinema as in like they're not highbrow 
you know, films, I guess, which I guess rubs people the wrong way because yeah. people think that, you know, the, the Dark Knight is a masterpiece of a modern I mean, it, cinema. It, it's also <laughs> just, it's a weird idea because, you know, we've had the, uh, the theme park ride cinema since, uh, since, I don't know, since the mid seventies. Sure. Since Jaws and Indiana Jones, mm. since those became literal, you know, theme park rides. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. But, you know, he probably doesn't like those movies either, but it's just, uh, it's one of those like stupid things for the internet to get mad at. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a yeah. it silly like, like it's just like an offhand comment that he made, and people are just losing their shit about it. I mean, mm. he could have been a lot more scathing. I remember when Cronenberg, a few years ago, said uh, was talking shit about the Nolan films, and he said, you know, if people who think that the Dark Knight is high supreme cinema art are they don't know what the fuck they're talking about or something <laughs> to that effect. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's one. It's one man's opinion. It's mm. like if you really want to go down that road, like you could argue Cronenberg all day long is not, you know, supreme cinema art. But it's like he's just one guy. It's a guy talking about, you know, his opinion about, you know, some shitty blockbuster. No big deal. And <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's a really old guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's you could you, exactly Scorsese is even older than Cronenberg was then. Mm. It's like you could, these are eighty year old men talking shit about Marvel movies. It's it's hard to even take it seriously. But I mean. I've, of course, uh, you know, just completely biased. I mean, Scorsese is like a god, and Marvel films are trash. So, <laughs> to me, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's like you—you you gotta like see like what your standards and what your goals are. Like, if you're going like, like, um, you know, like the Joker just came out. Mm. And you know it's been getting a been getting a lot of praise and et cetera et cetera, and I'm sure a lot of people are calling that quote unquote cinema. But I mean, like, what is cinema to an individual person? Like, right. you know, because especially like Scorsese, Cronenberg, anyone you want to name who's a director, their idea of cinema is not going to be exactly what our idea of cinema is. And I feel like the average moviegoer who goes to see Joker kind of eschews the entire idea of cinema. Like they probably right. wouldn't, wouldn't use a word like that. You know what I mean? So they yeah. do just like, right to, to the average moviegoer, the word cinema is a word that reveals pretension. Exactly. In someone else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or they might be like, wait a minute. What? Like, Oak Cinema Eight, what you, <laughs> right. Oak what, Cinema Eight, yeah. yeah if they're I mean, like, like, if especially they're like, like local, our age, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like our our age and happen happen to have been raised in Baton Rouge, yeah. they probably know about Oak Cinema Eight, <laughs> or like, Reg- well, like well, Regal, Regal Cinema. Yeah, it's um, called Grand Cinema now, isn't it? I, th- I think I want to say it's like Hollywood. Oh, is something it, around shit still it? open? Oh yeah, they yeah, renovated. They added stadium seating. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, it's like it's awful though. It is awful. I went there to see. Ghost in the Shell, the ScarJo uh, Ghost in the Shell, and it was absolutely <laughs> terrible. Well, isn't that your fault for going to Ghost in the Shell? Uh, I mean, actually, that movie wasn't the worst. But I whatever. didn't hate. I didn't hate the movie. But I didn't like it, but uh, mm. yeah, it just the experience was terrible. Like I thought that the just the people who were there and the theaters was like it was just like they renovated in the space they had, oh. and they don't have that much space, so the theaters are still kind of yeah. tiny. They're just slanted mm. now, you know. Right, but you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, like <laughs> I think Scorsese's earned the right to say whatever the fuck he wants to say, and yeah. I'm very much looking forward to The Irishman with every new thing that I see about him. Just it's getting like, have you read the reviews on this thing? Like no. people are sucking this movie's dick. Like it is just they're saying like it's his masterpiece of crime cinema, and he still got oh, it and all this man. shit. It's just like I can't wait. I cannot wait. 
because it's like unlike the Joker, the Joker I or Joker rather, oh, right, is right, uh, right. getting good reviews. But it's also I'm seeing I feel like I'm seeing just as much negative shit as I'm seeing positive shit, and a lot of it mm. is like you know SJW kind of anti you know incel yeah. kind of stuff or whatever. But I mean. Even so I've seen a lot of reviews that are, you know, questioning the filmmaking and, you know, critiquing the not the only thing that seems uh, universally praised is Phoenix's performance, which yeah, I can which... completely believe. But yeah, cause I think I'll go. Uh, so n- neither of you guys saw it. Right? No, no. Okay. I'm really that later this week. I'm not terribly interested in seeing it. I, I mean. I don't know. It's just like I just I'm so the I just can't. It's a comic book movie. It's just so silly. I just hate the fact that they've <laughs> grafted this what could be an interesting story into Gotham City with Arkham Asylum and the Wayne family. It's just so fucking retarded. I can't stand it. But uh, you know, it's just not for me. It's just not for me. I'll probably see it eventually. I just don't I'm, know. yeah. I'm gonna do the old uh, old forced watch. I don't want to go, but yeah, feels like. Feels like I need to see it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so I'm glad somebody from the from the show is going to see it, so we can yeah. talk about it. But uh, have y'all seen the com- the uh, trailer for Birds of Prey? Yeah. Apparently now this is a new trend where like you have like a slightly dark trailer, and in the background you have an really old song playing. What song are they? Are they, aren't they it's, playing it's like some uh, Edith Piaf? Yeah, Edith, yeah I don't right, think yeah. like I don't think it's uh, I mean, it's either like. La Vie on Rose yeah. or something recognizable. I'm yeah, sure. something something recognizable. But they did the exact same thing with the uh, like it's literally like almost shot for shot the Joker trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh well, t- teaser, I guess oh, you'd right, say. Right. Cuz you know like wear a smile, you know. <laughs> Except this time it's Edith Piaf instead of uh what's his face. But I'm like, okay, hold up. Y'all need to stop this I right now. I don't understand the, the I don't I just, Birds of Prey I don't. I don't know. I just don't I, get it. Like I don't understand why. Yeah. Like what is this movie? I don't. I, I'm I don't not know. a comic guy. I don't read the superhero comics, it's, so I don't know. Well, it's the um. From what I understand, it's like Harley Quinn and a couple of other female sidekicks who have had it with the uh, male villains that they're um managing. Yeah. I say managing because I that makes sense. Don't know another word. That makes sense. Fuck well, it. I don't know. Well. Oh, <laughs> That that that's I'm sure that's a thing too, um, but yeah, like if, from what comics, I understand, they're it's, heroes. Okay, yeah, sure. So right. I guess like, it's, it's like it's Commissioner Gordon's daughter is one of them. Oh no shit! Isn't she Batgirl hmm. or whatever? I don't fuck. I don't remember that that <laughs> yeah, much. But Barbara Gordon was Batgirl. She gets um, uh, sexually assaulted by the Joker, doesn't she? In Killing Joke. Oh, and then yeah, then she becomes Oracle because she's paralyzed. Oh right, right. Yeah. yeah. See. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I did just start reading. Well, uh, well, in I did just start <laughs> reading The Nerd Dark Knight Returns on my iPad oh, today, right. and it's it's pretty good so far. I like yeah. Frank Miller a lot, though. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 funny too. Like even like even like you know, like Alan Moore has been kind of put up as like the kind of ultimate in comic and superhero writing, but even he is like like he looked back on the Killing Joke and was like, you know what? A little too far. It's, he was like, <laughs> exactly. Like he was like, you know what? It's it's a guy who dresses like a bat to fight crime. There's no reason it should carry this kind of emotional weight. Sure. Like it was never meant for what I did. So I don't know. Like I think he kind of disowns it. Like like I mean, he probably thinks there's some like decent work in there. But I think he like he definitely said that he 
regrets putting in like such like heinous violence. Wow. But he's super okay with that Disney softcore uh, porn comic he released. So, you know, whatever. He released a Disney softcore porno comic? Well, it's yeah. it's a it's a por- it's a porn comic that has like uh, like this. Wendy from Peter Pan and like uh, oh, couple, like Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Let me look this thing up. Uh, Lost Girls. <laughs> I got it around here somewhere. You of course. I you <laughs> I also own it. I uh, asked Jesus for it for Christmas Christ. one year in high school, and my grandmother bought it for me. <laughs> I've never heard of it. It's uh, so it's. I didn't older. realize what it, quite what it was. What's her ninety one? Yeah, I think um, it's uh, it's under the genre sexual fantasy. Mm. Interesting. I've never heard of it. Anyway, well, well, that was another like. Actually, that kind of brings us full circle with the cinema thing because he was talking about how like, like, like erotica was supposed to be this like highbrow thing, but it really like had nothing to do with love of any kind. It was just sex. Sure. So like he was so like he and his wife, who he did the comic with, they were careful to call it pornography because. That's what it is. That's uh, not, you got to res- you gotta respect that. About that. Yeah, you got to respect that. Mm. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, start talking trailers here. Uh, so finally, the Safdie brothers released the trailer for their uh, much ballyhooed uncut gems, starring Adam Sandler mm. among other people, Lakeith Stanfield, Eric Bogosian is who I'm excited about. Oh yeah. It. As the villain, yeah. Um, when I saw him, I was yeah. like, "Oh, I'm 100 percent in on this." I love the this the part of it where he says where he gets mad at him because he's like, "You retiled your pool." <laughs> That's just so it's just so real. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really love it. Anyways, uh, out of uh, Tiff, I uh, read a review that called it that called this movie uh, "Cocaine the Movie." So, well, you know, I guess it's pretty frantic. Look out, De Palma. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really excited about it. What do you guys think of this trailer? I am 100% here for this movie. Like I absolutely loved good time Mm -hmm. and I really, I really like daddy long legs. Um, but yeah, I am super excited for this movie. Yeah. I feel like I like daddy long legs too. I, but I definitely feel like they've really come into their own with this crime thing that they're into mm. now and uh it just feels very like i just i'm like scared of them not doing a crime film like i'm happy that they're doing another <laughs> one because i'm mm. just like i don't want to see their aesthetic applied to anything else because i'm worried it won't work or something yeah but, it's funny too like i've been reading like a lot of crime novels lately and like i just enjoy that genre like especially like like pre-50s stuff. oh yeah okay. yeah that's cool. Yeah. JR, what do you think about the trailer? I'm also in. It looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't um I don't love Good Time, you know, but I'm I liked the movie they did right before that, the junkie movie. Oh yeah, Heaven Heaven something. Mm. Uh it's yeah. got the word Ugh. heaven in it. I don't know. <laughs> Whoops. Um but yeah. I liked it too. I'm yeah, I'm down. I uh, they're talking about oh heaven knows what ah. they're talking about uh, Adam Sandler for the Oscar here. Really? Do you guys think that that's just absolutely absurd based on what you've seen so far, or is it? Yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's totally. I wouldn't say it's totally out of out of reach for him. I'd say worse actors than he have won the Oscar. Yeah. For acting. Oh. That's not why I think it's absurd. Oh, why? I think it? it's absurd just because of the competition that he'll face. Oh, uh, which which is? Uh, I mean, just definitely like Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Robert De Niro. 
in The Irishman. You know, like there are Wait, all these other movies coming out that I just DiCaprio. Like what is DiCaprio? In? Did I miss something? What's DiCaprio what? in? Oh, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, okay. Right, you right. think he's going to get nominated for that? I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I, think, I don't think I don't see it happening. I, did he? I think it's. I don't know. I could see it more than I could see Adam Sandler in. And again, cocaine the movie. Oh, I completely agree. I, I think it's I think it's a long shot that he even gets nominated, much less wins. I agree completely. Hmm. But I I don't know about the 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 competition thing. Yeah, I agree. There's it feels like every year there's a shitload of uh, prestige dramas that come out bef- like before they are supposed to come out, like before Oscar season even starts, and then you don't even hear anything about them. And it's like you watch the trailer and you're like, holy shit. This guy's going to win an Oscar, and then nobody even talks about it because it didn't miss the window. You know what I mean? Like right. Casey Affleck's film, Light of My Life, came out just like almost straight to VOD. And I watched the trailer, and I'm like, this shit looks great. He looks great in this, and I guarantee you it'll get no recognition at all. You know? Yeah, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood made a shit ton of money and was a huge hit over the summer. No, like, I agree. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think I that's, and it's Quentin Tarantino. I feel like, I guess, I just feel like judging on judging the performance. I feel like it, that that's the performance that I would give an Oscar nomination to if I was desperate to find people to give Oscar nominations to. <laughs> I wasn't blown away by his performance in this movie. But I mean, that's just me. I don't know. Who knows what they think? You know. I wonder if he was nominated for Django Unchained. He he was not. I don't believe it. Okay, Christoph was, and okay. he won. Yeah. And yeah. If Christoph was in uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I could see him winning again. Because he seems yeah. to win oh, every absolutely. time he's in a Tarantino movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, if DiCaprio didn't win for Django Unchained, like, I I mean, I still haven't seen the movie, but I couldn't see him necessarily winning for this. DiCaprio, I mean, yeah, it's just, I think he's, I don't, I, I just, I don't know, I don't see him. It is his first performance since his win, though. So, I mean, that's, they usually do double up when they do that Th- right this is his first i believe so didn't? since the revenant i believe so am i wrong about that i have no idea I've... well i uh, feel free to look it up yeah okay. i'll stand by it <laughs> uh okay well uh there's also um another trailer that uh was released recently called the gentleman which is a guy Ritchie movie uh, mm. I wrote in my blog post that he's taking a break from uh, blockbuster adventure films and the Disney machine to uh, <laughs> return to his roots of uh, British crime drama. Yeah, this looks crime comedy, I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it looks like something that he would have made right after Snatch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It looks like that kind of messy plot. So um, Revolver then. <laughs> except Revolver was a drama and really dark and oh yeah, well, humorless. Yeah. That's but, true. But, yes. but yeah, I mean, but yeah, just, a crime film is, I guess, the thing that everybody's you know kind of saying about is that he's huh. just returning back to like a more like lock, stock, and two smoking barrels kind of a. Yeah, I mean, it even has what looks like a, a prominent weed subplot, which is a mm-hmm. big part of lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Right. Or what I remember of that movie. It least. is strange that the central the central character of the trailer, at least, seems to be an American, Matthew McConaughey, mm. which I found very odd. Well, I mean, um, what's what's his face? Uh, Dennis Farina was was a major character in yeah, Snatch. That's true. So that's true. Yeah. I, I, and I and I that's one of the few things I like about Snatch is Dennis mm. Farina. But but um, <laughs> yeah. and, anything to declare? Yeah, don't go to England. Yeah, I mean he's 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 reliable. Yeah. But uh, I wonder um, I wonder if that's a misdirect. Like 
the way that Benicio del Toro was very uh, right highly uh, credited, right, right, uh, right. prominently featured in like the advertising materials for Snatch, but is dispatched very he's, quickly. He's coming off of Traffic. It's his first film mm. after Traffic. He just yeah. won the Oscar. Yeah, so of course they're putting him front and center. Right. And he's in the opening scene and everything. And then, you're yeah, you're thinking this guy's going to be the star of the movie. And I was I remember being personally, I was very excited that Benicio del Toro was in because I was a huge Way of the Gun fan. Mm. And I was like, this is <laughs> fucking great. This guy's going to be in all the good action <laughs> comedy uh, crime movies from now on. And yeah, and then he just gets his head blown off in the first, you know, 30 right. minutes of the movie. But I, By the way, John, you were admit, right. Uh, he's only been in a couple of shorts in mm. 2017. Yeah. So this is his first those, full uh, acting credit since The Revenant. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And those shorts were probably like Scorsese ads. For yeah, they're probably ads for, yeah, for Dior yeah. or some shit. So. Uh, cars. What? B- oh, for Cars. Okay. BYD, Build Your Dreams. BYD, Make History. And, he's, yeah. and he plays a BYD model. Sounds cool. great. Sounds mm. terrific. Really, really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, the I mean, the gentleman. I don't know. I'll I, I might see it eventually. I'm not a I'm not a Guy mm. Ritchie fan at really at all. Uh, I used to like uh, Lockstock. I used to like Snatch when I was younger, but I rewatched Snatch in the last year or two. Really, really disliked it. And uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I just but, but, doesn't do I, it for I, me. I haven't rewatched it in a long time. So but. yeah, I wouldn't just keep that memory you got because yeah. <laughs> it does not yeah. hold up in my opinion it's just it's just one of those post tarantino and it's weird because it came out in like you know 2001 or 2002 or something yeah but it just feels very like pulp fictiony it feels just like guy Ritchie doing tarantino and it's it's got some moments that are humorous and everything like brad pitt's whole accent thing is funny and dennis freena is enjoyable but the rest of it that is just so like it reminds me of um i'm really sad to say it but I'm such a huge Roger Avery fan, even though he's only done two films. He's got a third film that's mm. just been released, I believe, today. Might oh. have been released last week, but it's on VOD. It's called Lucky Day. Have you seen trailers for this? Mm, right. It's, yeah. on, it's on. I put it on the blog. I think the trailer for it. I might have. I might, might have forgotten. But um, it's a. It's like a crime comedy drama thing that he did. It's got Crispin Glover in it. Yeah. And uh, I just like it. Looks. On if it wasn't him, I wouldn't even th- like look at it like it looks mm. terrible but it's roger avery <laughs> like, it's gotta be at least something worth looking at here and i was listening to his interview on the brett easton ellis podcast which i've just recently uh subscribed to on the patreon <laughs> app oh. yeah so i'm paying to listen to this thing but it's so good anyways i'm listening Is to his it? interview and it's just like i just want to like this this movie so bad i want to watch this and like it and i'm just so afraid i'm going to watch it and it's mm. going to be a train wreck but <laughs> Brett Easton Ellis says it's uh, he didn't he stopped trying to saying it was any good but he was like saying positive things about it like he was explaining you know mm. the the kind of concept behind it and stuff and he was he seemed complimentary so Isn't yeah. like a which huge is rare for asshole? him who Brett Easton Ellis yeah I mean uh, I don't know if I uh, having listened ju- I don't have much to go on I've listened to uh, quite a few of his podcasts when they were free. Uh, now he's on Patreon. I literally just subscribed yesterday, um, yeah. and I, I wouldn't. I I can see why people would think he's an asshole because he's extremely opinionated. Like he's got his opinions, and you don't. He doesn't budge on them, mm. and he's some of his opinions are controversial because he's very like anti cancel culture. He's very like anti SJWs. He's very you know he's not into censorship of any kind. 
and uh, which you think would, you know, just make him like a normal, you know, liberal guy. But um, I guess because he's gay, the gay community doesn't like that, that he's not into a lot of their kind of core issues and stuff. So he gets a lot of bad press and shit. But mm-hmm. I don't know. He's my he, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent. You know, he might have said some shit in the past that's really heinous. I don't even know, but I remember on his show, uh, all he talks about on the show is movies. Like literally, all he talks <laughs> about is movies, and it's just fantastic because he's got such a great memory, and he just talks about like in back in 1978, I went and saw this movie and this movie and this movie and this movie. And he just like literally talks about like the 300 <laughs> movies he saw in this one year, and that'll be an episode, and it's just wow. fucking great. <laughs> I can listen to him talk all day. Yeah, I remember reading something about like American Psycho and about how he like really did not dig the fact that a woman was directing it. Mm. I mean, I can kind of understand because it's very much a like I mean male center. Like that's the thing though. It's like it, <clears throat> you you read something like that. Like he like I don't want a woman directing this movie, and it sounds like well that's just automatic. Well, you're being sexist. You're being like a right, pig, right? right? But then like there is there's always he's not he's he doesn't seem like he's just knee jerk about anything. Like he thinks things through when he explains <laughs> them on a show. Yeah, it is it is more like. I could see him saying something like that and being like, well, the, a woman is not the right person to be directing this film because it's about, you know, uh, machismo and uh, you right, know, the, right. ma- the male fantasy and all these kinds of things like this. So maybe it's not uh, the problem. I prop- think Mary Heron tapped into that stuff just fine. I but- agree. She did. I'm not def- I'm not agreeing with him. I'm just saying that, yeah. I, you know, it's not it's that's not a like a, you know, it's not a capital crime to <laughs> have an opinion about who directs your work. I don't know. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm getting. Obviously, from what we're hearing, like he's very opinionated and very opinionated on movies. So I'll tell you what he his favorite work of his that's been directed, Rules of Attraction. So Roger hmm. Avery. Well, because it's the best one. But. It is. It's absolutely the best one. I haven't, I haven't seen less than zero. But I was. Like, I've seen it, it's, but it's, it's been fine. it's been forever since. I own, it's ha- not the fucking Informers. <laughs> I, I did. I watched uh, like twenty minutes of the Informers and had to turn it off. Oh wow! But I used to own Less Than Zero on DVD for many years, and I just never got around to watching it. Oh. Anyways, uh, Eastwood has his new movie first since The Mule. It's called Richard Jewell. This movie, uh, I remember hearing about it like oh, like right after Wolf of Wall Street. It was DiCaprio and Jonah Hill were going to do it together, hmm. and uh, DiCaprio was going to be his lawyer. Jonah Hill was going to be Richard Jewell, and he was going to, uh, they were both going to produce it together with Appian way. And I, I don't know who was going to direct it at that time, but it apparently got away from them. And now, uh, Eastwood has released his trailer of it, which stars the guy from, uh, the ice skating movie. What the fuck is that movie called about the girl who hit the guy who hit the girl with the I, Tanya? crowbar? Yeah. I, Tanya. Uh, <laughs> it's one of like her people, S- Sebastian Stan, not Sebastian no. Stan, the fat okay. guy, the other one. Oh, okay. The fat guy is Richard Jewell. I don't remember his name. And John Hamm is in this. And okay. uh, Kathy Bates plays his mother. Oh. And it's about the story of uh, Richard Jewell, who's a security worker at the uh, 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. And he discovers a bomb. And mm. they think that uh, he might have planted it and discovered it on purpose to be a hero. And it's about the okay. media frenzy. It reminds me a lot of Sully, I guess. Um, right. would be the closest right. thing. and. Eastwood directed that as well. Yeah, I didn't see Sully, but I, as I understand, that's kind of the focus of that. Also, the media scrutiny. Yeah, which apparently was very overblown in the movie. Sure, I can, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, Eastwood. That, that East, was a that East, was a pretty quiet movie in general. Yeah, yeah. Eastwood's very. Uh, I just feel like he's. I don't. I don't even know what to say about him. I mean, mm. 
he releases great trailers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I watched the trailer for Richard Jewell, and I'm like, this is a good trailer. Like, right, this makes right. me want to see this movie, and I am almost sure certain that this movie is not going to be any good. Right. But <laughs> it looks good from the trailer. Yeah. I like that you said it's the it's his first since the mule. Yeah. Because he releases so many fucking movies. Yeah. It feels like the mule came out like six months ago. It probably yeah. did, to be perfectly honest. I mean it came I think it came out at the Actually, end of twenty eighteen. Yeah, it came out it's Oscar season last year. Right. <laughs> but uh it is not old. No. <laughs> right. It's what is. He could have mm-hmm. released he could have released two or three more in between then and now, you know. <laughs> he's the new Woody Allen's gone, so he's gotta be the new uh the new kid on the block doing a movie every year. Right. Woody Allen's not gone. I mean, Woody Allen's alive, but he's not going to be releasing any more movies ever in his career. So no, he will. No, he won't. Uh, really? No, <laughs> not well, not in America. Well, right. I mean, a rainy, rainy day in New York's not even getting released here. Like officially oh, okay. ever. Apparently. Okay. So, I mean, it's been shelved I, for life. Yeah. I mean, I fig- I figured like, you know, like whatever my opinion of him is, like I figured he would continue to do stuff. He'll get like, financing something. in France, like Polanski, you know. He'll get right, financing right. in Europe or whatever and then he'll continue to make movies there, I'm sure, mm. but he'll never, you know, he won't be on the I'll call, Although Polanski, you know, Polanski was in exile for 20 25 years and then got nominated and won the Oscar for director. So who who knows? I doubt but Woody Allen has 25 he, years left, but <laughs> Polanski yeah. has since been uh he's he's been expelled from the academy. That's true. Oh, right. He's also, I feel like he's also, his his uh, output is dramatically dwindled. Mm. He had a, he has a new one coming out this year. It's been playing festivals. What's it called? Fuck if I know, dude. <laughs> well, don't bring it up then, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, I'll look it up. It's uh, apparently kind of mirrors his situation or something like that. Officer and a spy? That can't. That cannot be right. That is, is that right? it. Oh okay. wow. That is it, and it stars uh, the French guy, Dujardin. Jean Dujardin. Uh, Dujardin. The film, that's the worst. It centers on a, It centers on a nineteenth-century Dreyfus, the Dreyfus affair. Some kind of French, German. I don't know. Some historical shit. Hmm. So uh, yeah, that's uh, good for him. I don't know. I I, don't, I have nothing. I don't. You know. We've talked about this before. I don't, yeah. I don't give a fuck. I like movies. <laughs> I want to watch good directors make good movies. Anyway. Let's talk about movies. Yeah, let's fucking yeah, do let's it. let's get to some movies. Uh, the, uh, so let's get into what we watched. Who wants to begin? Jonathan? You want to begin? Oh, that's right. <laughs> You're not here. Uh, I watched uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it was masterpiece. Masterpiece. Three out of five. <laughs> Three out of five. We're doing hit pieces now? Uh, it's, it's hardcore. That was I, Kevin, um, by the way. I, yeah. can, I can start I can start with right, a modern classic I watched. I actually watched this for uh, last episode, um, but I wrote notes on it, so I'll, I'll just read those now. Do it. Um, I watched Men in Black International. Oh, Jesus. Um. <laughs> Directed by F. Gary Gray. Isn't it so weird? F. Gary Gray. What what happened to this guy? <laughs> this guy used to do like semi-decent, you know, uh, at least acceptable work in the mid-90s. And this, what is the shit that he's doing now? It's just embarrassing. So He's like I'm a hired to, gun. Uh, I, I don't know. I honestly <laughs> don't know what's up with him. But I'm going to read my... Um, my notes, I basically just wrote a summary because I was so mad that I watched this. <laughs> Not because like, it wasn't just so bad. It was just like so 
time consuming? Just so like just straight down the fucking middle. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the worst. So so here's what I wrote. Uh, through a lack of writing, Tessa Thompson is able to track down, subsequently join, and become a plucky, brilliant rookie agent of the MIB. She is shipped to England, where the U.S. higher-ups believe some shenanigans are afoot within the British division. The film expects us to forget that because it does so immediately. <laughs> we must meet. We meet Golden Boy fuck-up Chris Hemsworth and his mentor Liam Neeson. They get framed and go rogue because why not just be a Mission Impossible movie? Almost the same acronym. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson then shows up, so still Mission Impossible. Mm. There is a world-killing weapon in the wrong hands, so strike three. Kumail Nanjani <laughs> tries his hardest to make us laugh, Aww. and uh, the ending tries his hardest to rope back in the forgotten plot threads, and boom, an almost perfectly mediocre blockbuster is born. But the real question yeah. is, is there a Will Smith cameo? Or a Tommy Lee Jones cameo, or a Rip Torn cameo. Mm. No, no, and no. Fuck. Johnny Knoxville from MIB two <laughs> just shows up randomly. There are no um, no connections no at all. Old faces. But, they mm. unless Emma is Emma Thompson in the old ones. I think she was in the third. Yeah, know. she was in the third one. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't She's know. the one that hires uh, Tessa Thompson. I only saw okay. one and two. And I saw them in the theater, and I don't think I've seen them since. So I don't know if I've ever seen three. Yeah, yeah, I never saw three. three I know I've seen years later. I've seen one, two, and three. I have no recollection of what happens in two. Um, I remember uh, Michael Stuhlbarg is in three, and so is Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. Other than that, don't remember much about either of them. Uh, and Josh Brolin's fine doing. Uh, Oh right, he's impression yeah, of Tommy he's, Lee Jones. He's young Tommy Lee. Yeah, and uh, well, I had to read this summary because I already don't remember much from the movie. Ah, so it is destined to uh, be forgettable. Ah. All right, what'd you give it out of five stars? <laughs> uh, I got two point five. Oh so, yeah, yeah right, right in the middle. Down, right right down, down, down the middle. middle. All right, <clears throat> Kevin. So I rewatched a Stone Cold masterpiece, mm. Chinatown. Oh. Uh, like, like I said, I've been watching. I've been. Hmm? Oh yeah, Polanski. I said Polanski. Yeah, Polanski. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Been watching a lot. Watching and reading a lot of uh old crime stuff, and like you know had had to rewatch Chinatown. I think like, like it gets a lot of praise for the screenplay, and I think it's totally deserved. Like Robert Town put together a remarkable thriller, and. Like there's like there's actual like detective work instead of the usual detective happens to be in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the Dashiell Hammett and uh, Raymond Chandler stories and like can't say enough good things about John Houston in this movie. He just he's just so menacing, but he's so charming at the same time. It's it's like one of those things that I think only he could do at that time, and of course, Jack Nicholson. I mean, <laughs> always in the seventies. Yeah, the man, the man can do no wrong. Yeah, I mean, especially like like this was like either right before or right after one one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It's so before, I believe. Okay, so yeah, I mean, yeah, we're talking about a master who is just entering his prime. Yeah, and just. And I mean, it and, and and I mean, you know, and Polanski just, I mean, yeah, really cranking it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it fires on all cylinders. 
It's so well put together. Like uh, Crispin Glover's dad is in it. Really? Yeah, Bruce Glover plays one of uh, Jake Gitta's, uh associates in his office. He's telling oh, a joke to and everything. Oh, that makes so much. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see it now. Mm-hmm. They look they look a lot alike. And that guy's also in uh, Diamonds Are Forever. There you go. Yeah, and um, yeah, like all like. I speaking of the detective work. Just mm-hmm. I remember being like I I've seen it a few times, but the last time I watched it, which was. In the last three or four years, I was really bowled over by it. I loved it a lot more than I used to. And mm. uh, I just remember being really impressed with the idea of the, where he puts the, the watches underneath the tires to yeah, see what yeah. time they leave because <laughs> they crush the watch and that he just looks at the time that's on the watch. That's yeah. just brilliant. <laughs> like, yeah. What it's a like, great idea. Yeah. And like, especially like, like great, like, um, um, what's the word? Not procedural, but, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Methodical? John? I don't Me- know. Me- uh, I would say it's. I mean, I would say the detective work is procedural. Yeah. Some of it. I mean, it, it just, I like. I, I like. Like I've always said, I like just any kind of movie that shows you know somebody getting information yeah, or yeah. getting out of a situation in a clever way. A lot of like David Mamet stuff get, accomplishes that really yeah. well. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, like just any kind of like cleverness, it, as long as it's not mm. ridiculously over clever, then I'm. <laughs> Right, it's a thin right. line, you know. <laughs> yeah, because like you look at this and you look at like Marathon Man. And... Yeah, I mean Marathon. I mean that's another one. It's like in Marathon Man, when he has to get into his apartment to get the gun. Yeah, like it's a um, genius to ask that guy to rob his apartment. Like right. that's an amazing scene. I love that shit, and yes. I love how he does it and how he's you know he's got to tell him. You know what is what's his nickname in the, in the, the oh name creepy the, the, it's creepy. creep it's creep you know? yeah <laughs> like that's just I love that shit so much yeah I I was actually thinking about it the other day like there's the scene where like uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Marathon Man um there there's a there's a part where like like right after Dustin Hoffman has been tortured for a little while Will, William Devane like gets he like grab he like grabs him brings him out of the place tell like you know puts him in the car like keep your head down keep your head down and he's like grilling him for information while they're driving around keep your head down keep yeah. your head down and then like after they finally after Devane is finally satisfied that he's not getting anywhere he turns out to be in on it it's like the exact like he like, was just driving around the block the entire time trying to get the information out of Hoffman. right it's like so it's clever but it's from <clears throat> the opposite point it's like yes. the villains being clever now yes. it's just like, it's just i don't know that's such that shit rules anyways yeah, so how good. would you give chinatown out of five, five out of five of course easy. okay easy um okay well i watched uh you know i think i talked about i i'd watched uh city lights and the freshman i think i talked about them last time i finished oh, the, the freshman though yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, the freshman is a um, harold lloyd movie but anyways oh, okay, right. uh it was fine i liked it about as much as, i liked it a little bit more than city lights but mm. uh, i rated it the same I watched rewatched uh, the Devil and Daniel Johnston because Daniel Johnston died, mm. and uh, I remember really like loving this movie and thinking it was like a really like a masterpiece of documentary filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I've kind of cooled off on it. Uh, it's still good. I like it a lot, but I, I would have given it like a solid five, and I gave it a four just because I feel like there's a lot of um, it's a little it's a little too much hero worship in this thing you know a little bit ah. too much this guy is a fucking genius and mm. if you get it you get it and if you don't you're a moron and it's like i listen to his music i like one of his albums is quite good and it's the one that he recorded in a studio i'm not into the 
early tape stuff, I don't understand the people who are like, you listen to these tapes, and it's like, oh, my God, it's like listening to the Beatles. It's incredible. I don't get that at all. It's like I listen to the Beatles for production, you know, and there's no production on those early tapes from Daniel Johnson. So mm. I don't understand the uh, adoration exactly, but I I think the documentary is interesting. Uh, it's about, you know, I th- especially his, his time in New York City is very, very interesting to me. Mm. Uh, he te- he's like with uh, the people from Sonic Youth, the drummer mainly, and right. there's a lot of uh, footage of them. Like he he vanishes, and they're like searching the streets for him and stuff. You can hear Thurston Moore in the background, just like we gotta find Daniel. <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Mm. But um, yeah, I gave it a four. I mean, I like it still, but it's just not the masterpiece I thought it was. Mm. I remember seeing this movie with with Jordan. Oh, okay. Uh. And it's at the Segan Cinema before it, you know, like oh, a long, yeah, long time ago yeah. in 05. And um, we left, and I don't know if you recall, there's like a, I forget, I don't know who he, who even writes, somebody in the movie, oh, it's uh, it's the uh, the band that he gets with at the end of the film, it's like some local band that he lives nearby, uh-huh. and he's playing with them, and one of them has a shirt that says fuck Satan on it, mm-hmm. and somebody wrote fuck Satan on a piece of paper and put it on Jordan's car. And so we were like, that's funny and kind of scary, you know? <laughs> and uh, and then it turned out it was Jonathan. And he had been at the show. We didn't even realize he was there. Oh, <laughs> and he had okay. been at the theater watching the movie too. And then he had left before us and wrote the note and left it on our car. But yeah. anyways. Do you think he was mad that you didn't invite him? I don't know. I, I Honestly, I can't remember the I can't remember the logistics of it. I feel like it's weird that we wouldn't have invited him. It's weird that he would have went to go see it by himself. He might have been mm. with... Allison, I don't know at the time. I don't. I'm, it's it's all hazy now, you know. But mm. it's been 14 years ago, right? But uh, anyway, Jr. All right, I watched uh, De Palma's latest Domino. This is another one like the Roger Avery movie. I want to <laughs> watch Domino. I'm terrified to watch Domino. Yeah, <laughs> you should be. <laughs> um. Uh, Domino's really not that bad, but the opening twenty minutes are so god awful that oh. it just like it can never bounce back. It's just it's just like wooden acting, and it's just devoid of any atmosphere. And like just the whole setup to the movie just is such shit that the rest of it can't can't go anywhere. Mm. Um, it's yeah. True bummer. It's like Jamie Lannister is not good, and Melisandre is not very good. And in the beginning, at least, they get they get better. Uh, Guy Pierce is doing this Texas accent thing. Um, can he just stop doing accents that aren't his own? I know. I love Guy Pierce. This guy is just he just so tryhardy with the accents. I know. Like man. he doesn't need to. I know. Like especially yeah. in an international production. It's like, and this thing's got like two. Um, like after the first twenty minutes, it's got two plots running at the same time, and just like neither split screen. <laughs> no, there's no 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 split screen. That'd be a perfect neither... a perfect reason to do it. <laughs> I know. Waiting for waiting for De Palma to just do an entire movie split screen. Uh, amen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you gotta go back and watch it again. You know? That's perfect. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, neither neither plot thread is very compelling, and they kind of reunite in a in a stupid way, and it just. I don't know. It's just, it's a bummer. It's a bummer of a movie Mm. because of that. Uh, And I've seen like people trying to explain why it's good. And uh, 
you know, I respect some of these people and I just, I cannot see what they're saying. I gave it a 2.25 and uh, yeah, that's weird. I, I actually would like someone else to watch it. So you can, I, uh, I mean, I still plan to see it. I'm it not, me. I'm not turned off. Like I will watch it eventually. I, you know, I, I, but honestly, I haven't even, I mean, I feel like I'm a bad diploma fan. I haven't even seen, I never saw passion. I never saw redacted. Like, I, and I know those movies aren't supposed to be great, but I always wanted to just kind of, you know, round them out, like see everything, you know. Passion was better than this, I thought. Okay. Yeah, I, I, mean, and I, did, heard, I never saw Redacted. I've heard some good things about Passion. I've heard nothing but negativity about Redacted. So. Yeah. Same. Bummer. Kevin? Let's see. Let's see. So I rewatched The Aristocats, which is actually really entertaining. <laughs> The an animated film, yeah, the animated okay. the animated Disney movie, <clears throat> not the Aristocrats, the documentary about the joke. No, okay, <laughs> I never saw that. You never saw the documentary about the joke? No, I still don't know the joke. It's That's good. Okay, you should watch it. Ah. Just watch just just YouTube Stephen Wright's telling of the joke. It's amazing. <laughs> I do like Stephen Wright. Yeah, he's yeah. very very dry. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is good. Um, not a not amazing. I like their other Disney movies that are, that I like better, but it's it's very entertaining. Um, what year is that from? Nineteen seventy. Oh wow! Which I thought I thought it would have been earlier than that, but um, I'm such a I've seen like literally no Disney movie prior to eighty nine Little Mermaid. I mean, I think I saw uh, okay. the Robin Hood movie when I was young, like the yeah. Fox one. Yeah, but I don't remember anything about it, and mm. so. It's just so weird. I've never seen Cinderella or Snow White or any of that shit. I, I've hear and Dum- I hear Dumbo is quite good. I don't, I've never seen any of them. I would definitely a lot of them are quite good. Yeah, that's what I hear. I would definitely say they're worth watching. Yeah, um, I'm waiting for Amelia to grow up to right, be old right. enough to watch them. And I'm sure I'll you know power through all those at some point. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that's you know that's what you, that's what you do. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to waste it now. You know. Right, watch right. them now and then I don't like them and then I gotta force myself to fucking rewatch them whenever she gets older. But well, well by I mean, the way, uh, whenever she watches a movie and you don't like it, you'll still have to watch it over and over again. That's, maybe that's what you've heard happens, but uh, in uh, my house, motherfucker, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> man, like, <laughs> like, hold up. <laughs> no, we watch a lot of shit. I've seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang so many fucking times. Oh, no, see, that won't be happening. So, <laughs> I, that movie won't exist according to me. You know? Right. <laughs> Chitty what? I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Let's watch uh, Reservoir Dogs again. Right. Anyway, uh, I watched... Uh, Roadhouse rewatched Roadhouse. Mm. Roadhouse was a, a a movie that was on heavy heavy rotation the VHS when I was in high school. Um, used to watch it a lot, like really sincerely, two three times a week uh, for several years. Mm. And I haven't seen it really since then. And uh, it was on Netflix, so or maybe Prime. I don't know. Anyways, it was online, and I. We're just we're just feeling the itch to rewatch it, you know. It's easy, it's fun, it's fluff to an extent. I I do think it has uh, good things going for it. I think Swayze is underrated as an actor in general. I think he's fairly decent in almost everything I've seen him in, uh, and I think he's pretty good in this. He's a little overly serious, maybe, but you know, I don't mind that. Uh, I really like the story, the the idea of this guy who's just so good at being a bouncer that people seek him out and, you know, pay him so much, like a ridiculous amount of money to be a bouncer. 
like, do you remember how much money this guy has offered to go to the double deuce and be a bouncer? I don't remember. Let me enlighten you. <laughs> five grand up front, then five hundred a night plus all medical expenses. Like, what kind of bar has this kind of money to spend on a bouncer? <laughs> this kind of fucking roadhouse. I guess so, man. Yeah, it's just, mean... It seems insane to me that anybody would pay this much money to. But I mean, it works. You know, he gets well. Sort of works. I mean, he gets the bar. <laughs> he gets the bar going, but then of course there's corruption in the town, and right, there yeah. are seemingly no police officers in this town. There's no police department, <laughs> no law presence at all. And mm. uh, you know, Brad Garrett's the law, uh, played by um, what's his face from all the Cassavetes movies. I can't remember his fucking oh, uh, name. Gazzara. Yeah, Ben Gazzara. Mm. Um, played you know with absolute ridiculous, uh, over the top comic, just absurdity and. Uh, but again, fun, just a lot of fun, right? You know? And kind of ridiculous because you see, you see Patrick Swayze kicking everybody's ass. This whole movie just beats the shit out of everybody. Even right. his, even the fight that he gets in with Ben Gazar's right hand man, who tells him he used to fuck guys like him in prison. Ah. Even that fight where he kind of gets his ass kicked a little bit, he still ends up ripping the guy's throat out and killing him. Then, he, then at the end, they they want you to believe that he that Ben Gazara somehow stands a chance in a fist fight with. Swayze and he actually get hits on Swayze and I'm just like this is the most unbelievable fight I've ever seen in my life like it's <laughs> absolutely Bengazara is like 60 years old he's like five feet tall like this man is not going to be able to fight Swayze Swayze is in the prime of his life he's ripped to fucking shreds in this yeah. movie and uh you know but anyways I I you know I still like it it's not a masterpiece or anything. I don't even think it's like a masterpiece of like B action cinema. I think there's a lot better stuff, but it's fun to watch. Sam Elliott, uh, great turn in it as uh, another bounce. The guy who taught him everything he knows. You oh, know? okay. And um, who you get to see his pubic hair at one point. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. And uh, <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't wait to talk about Sam Elliott and um, Gettysburg. Oh, me, me I mean, too. Spe- <laughs> special special appearance. Yeah, his special appearance in Gettysburg. Yeah, um, yeah. So Roadhouse, three and a half. Cool. Jr. Oh, it's, it's me now. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. You missed one week, it's, it's and guys, then it's, it's like one week. Well, I haven't been on. You missed one recording, and yeah, it's been like three months though. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. right. You're right. <laughs> All right. Um. Shit, what am I going to talk about? Um, <laughs> man, I watched uh, The Souvenir. That came out this year. Uh, the Souvenir? Yeah, you know, a quiet little uh, Joanna Hogg movie about... Oh, oh, yeah. A, um, it's like a film school student who kind of falls in with a much older guy. And there's... He's like a weirdo, and there's mysterious kind of backstory with him. And, uh, you know, it's just... Kind of about their relationship. I'd say it's a pretty quiet movie where not much plot happens, but it's uh, it's really beautiful and both of the actors are really good. It's uh, Honor Swinton Byrne, Tilda Swinton's daughter, oh, wow. and Tom Burke, whom I don't think I had any. Exp- I don't think I'd seen him before. Uh, they're both incredible. They they fight like when they are fighting, which happens a decent amount. It's like. It's like no other movie couples I've ever seen. It just feels so real. And like the fight, the shit they fight over is so petty and stupid and trivial, like a real relationship. I really, uh, really enjoyed it. There's just like, it's like a, the movie can, 
like emotional whiplash at some points. Mm. I, I enjoy it. And it, it takes place in the early 80s, and Hogg does an awesome job making it look like it was filmed in the 80s on, you know, like tape or some shit, or just film. <laughs> I forget what film looks like. <laughs> I don't know. Did she shoot this uh, on VHS camcorders? <laughs> yeah. A la Trash Humpers. <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of great, just kind of like jarring and funny music drops that uh, really worked. Sometimes that, that shit can be lame, and she makes it work here. So, um, like between a 4 and a 4.25. Really, really good. Everyone should go see it. Or, well, speaking or of it. the um, relationship drama fight stuff, uh, I don't think we talked about. Did you guys see the trailer for Marriage Story, the new Noah Baumbach film? Did not watch that trailer yet. That's another. Uh, that's another best actor contender. Yeah, I agree. I think that one, if anything, that one has a lot going for it. I think it uh, was a finalist for the uh, audience prize at TIFF. I think uh, the, the Jojo Rabbit movie won the audience prize. But um, anyway, but yeah, that's. It just reminds me, like when you said that, it reminded me of just there's a few brief glimpses of their turmoil in the, in the trailer. And it seems very, I mean, obviously, you know, Adam driver is like so authentic, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so when he wants to be, so it's just like, feels very real. I think Noah Baumbach has been very good at, uh, domestic turmoil oh, yeah. throughout mm-hmm. his, at least since, uh, the squid and the whale, you know, with Jeff Daniels, who I sure. can't wait to talk about in Gettysburg. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I'm, I'm really psyched just by that comment that you just made. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know why you're excited no, to talk I, about I, him. I'm, I'm no, very I'm curious, just though. <laughs> just trying to do a, a repeat joke. Hey, classic, uh, no. classic. Yeah. All right. Uh, he, he was fine. Kevin. Uh, uh, quick little side note. Tom Burke. Um, Deadwood, Seinfeld, oh. Only God Forgives. No he's, he's, he gets around. Hey, right? Did you just look that no up? No memory of him. Yeah, because I knew, is. like, I remembered the name, and I was like, "Why is that familiar?" And like, yeah, he's like um, Susan's brother in Seinfeld, and he's like a prospector in Deadwood. I think he gets killed in the first season. Um, but uh, he's also uh, Ryan Gosling's brother in Only God Forgives. Is he now? Yeah. He's the guy who uh, wants to fuck a fourteen-year-old. Exactly, and gets killed. <laughs> yeah. By the fourteen-year-old's uh, <laughs> father. That's right. <clears throat> I'll watch. Uh, I'll watch Deadwood one day. Deadwood is uh, solid. Deadwood is worth. It's, it's, wor- it's worth your time. Yeah, it's worth getting through. It's only three seasons, and uh, you know, it's it's gonna. It'll and bum you. Out. It'll bum you out when it ends because it ends. Uh, there's so much more it was going for after yeah. it ended, and it doesn't get a chance to. But mm. anyway, go ahead, Kevin. So I watched a film called The Devil's Disciple, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, JR, I think this is right up your alley. It's directed by Guy Hamilton, one of the big uh, early James Bond directors. Oh yeah. And we've and we've got um we've got Lawrence Olivier, Kirk Douglas, and Burt Lancaster. So uh, Burt Lancaster plays a small small town country uh, minister during uh, the American Revolution, and Kirk Douglas plays this guy who's like against the British, and Lawrence Olivier plays a British general, and 
Laurence Olivier is so, so good in this movie. He is so sarcastic and just, you know, like he only cares as much as the, uh, as he's like mandated to care about what's going on in the colonies. And <laughs> like, like there's a point where like some other small town country priest like comes up to him and is like, oh, you know, I preach on such and such very eloquently, I'm sure. <laughs> like and like they're like the colonists are cutting down trees trying to keep the british out of this one town like so uh you think we're ever going to get to this town like this should have taken like a day and here we are on day 3 what's happening fella um obviously Lawrence Olivier is much better than what i just did but it's <laughs> it's very it's very nah. very it's <laughs> i know right it's it's yeah um, but yeah, it's very, very entertaining and it's, um, it's not a five star. Like there's, there's some scenes that just go on a little too long. Like there's a scene with Kirk Douglas where Kirk Douglas is talking to Burt Lancaster's wife and it's like, okay, like more plot could be happening here. So like, but you know, those are really kind of minor. So, you know. Four stars, definitely, definitely worth a watch. Uh, I sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I uh, rewatched Judgment Night, mm. directed by Stephen Hopkins, uh, who did Predator Two and oh, right. uh, Ghosts in the Darkness. And oh, and he's doing like, what's, what's he doing now? Like some? Is he doing something now? I want to say like a. I thought he was kind of done, but. Maybe. Oh, he's doing the uh, Dark Tower TV show that oh, I, I think can Am- that, I think yeah. Amazon Prime is trying to put together. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, I think uh, mm-hmm. the last thing, kind of movie wise, was uh, he did the Life and Death of Peter Sellers for HBO, I think, or Showtime. But um, oh yeah, that where, was decent. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, this movie is about. Um, have you guys seen Judgment Night? Mm-mm. Nah. Okay, Judgment Night is a like a really. I don't even know how to describe it. like poor taste uh thriller from the early nineties starring Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Stephen Dorff, Jeremy Piven, and Dennis Leary. All star cast. Yeah. And uh how can this be bad? It's not bad. Okay. I'm not I don't want to give you the impression it's bad. Okay. It's just not something that would get made now. Because it's uh, very like uh it's offensive to lower income people oh, in this movie um wow. this movie's about emilio estevez is uh married he's got a kid and he's just a family man you know he's a good mm. guy and his brother steven dorf is like this young hothead uh goober kind of guys that got nothing going on in his life and uh cuban jr and jeremy piven are his good buddies emilio's good buddies and uh they take an rv to a boxing match but there's traffic and they don't want to miss the match so jeremy piven takes a detour through the ghetto <laughs> and uh, the ghetto. yeah and the long story short they witness a murder by a gang of people who all seem to be white which is weird but um i mean like the gang is dennis leary and uh the villain from the mask <laughs> and uh some other people oh uh, Everclear is one of them <laughs> um 
and uh, so it's not like Irish mob. No, or they're some, just or like it's, it's they're just like generic criminals. You know, okay. I think that the movie's being real careful about their mm. use of minorities. You know, they don't because okay, right, they right, don't right. want the backlash of well, how come your villains are all black guys or whatever? You know, but mm. but um, they're in you know this part of town that just the production design is ridiculous because it looks like terminator 2 in in the future you know it's like the post-apocalyptic like there's Uh. newspaper everywhere flying in the wind and it's all dark and gray and off blue and uh, (laughs) anyways they witness this murder and dennis leary is the gang leader and he he's he's fun because he's you know dennis leary in the 90s just Mm. such a talker you know yeah and uh he's talking the whole movie just yelling at them because they they don't know where they are they're hiding they're running from him and he's you know what are you guys gonna do we're gonna you know we're gonna fucking kill you and And, um you know as you can imagine one by one they uh you know they're picked off and then they decide to fight back and the gang gets some of the gang gets killed and then it just becomes this uh you know uh life and death struggle between emilio and dennis leary at the end, and uh, I won't spoil what happens, but, uh, you know, this movie is fine. It's enjoyable. It's just completely throwaway, but I gave it a three. Um, Dennis Leary is not very intimidating when he's clean-shaven. He should have a goatee in this movie. He's Mm. very much more scary-looking when he has a goatee. Like, Like, think about Dennis Leary in Demolition Man, okay? This guy looks like he could hurt you but in this movie he's like so it looks like he just shaved before every take wow. i mean his skin is like clean as fuck and i'm just like i don't believe this guy's gonna hurt anybody right it's like a businessman yeah he's wearing a turtleneck the whole time i don't <laughs> i just i don't <laughs> buy him i don't buy he wears a turtleneck and a uh, trench coat and i just don't buy it you know it's just, he's supposed to be the gang leader i buy it from his demeanor because he's good mm. at he's i mean dennis Leary's a good actor like he's good at projecting what he needs to project but he just doesn't look the part in my opinion in right. this film he should he should look like he did in the ref you know okay did you see operation dumbo drop <laughs> no i missed okay it. <laughs> uh i think i think it came out or, or yeah it's in was the mid mid yeah, yeah, yeah 93 94 yeah, yeah. yeah like disney D- movie. danny glover ray liotta matthew and, mcconaughey's uh, Matt, in it right isn't he I don't remember. I believe he is. I don't know. Let me look it up. I know Leary is. Yeah, he is for sure. Mm. I might be thinking. Of, you know what I think I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the other Elephant movie that came out around the same time with Bill Murray. Oh, oh yeah, right. Yeah, he's not in this. He's in mm. the other. He's in the Bill Murray Elephant movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what it's called. It's about uh, he inherits an elephant or something. Mm. But anyways, uh, yeah, three out of five. JR? Nice. Um, I'm going to do... Uh... I'm going to do three as kind of like a few quick hits because I don't really have a ton to say about any of them. And that's fine. Um, first, sorry. First, rewatched uh, Macbeth because I was hoping to record with you guys. Um, shit is still good. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> uh, my only, like, my note here, I think you guys covered this. Um, why does the army keep up the tree roofs all the way to the base of the castle walls in broad daylight? <laughs> yeah. As they blast their trumpets. Well, it's also like they're 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 holding branches that aren't even like, like it's not even covering yeah. them. You know what I mean? Mm. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. It, it never it never worked in a literal way. Right. Uh, it works in Throne of Blood because what because of what you, they the director shows you him what he sees right, right? yeah it look and it looks amazing but yeah i, I yeah. agree in a, in a literal sense it makes absolutely no sense 
So that's uh, yeah, that shit, shit's good. I love it. Four, I, four and a half. Um, Me too. I watched uh, two '90s uh, Chinese movies: a Chinese Odyssey Part One and Chinese Odyssey Part Two. Um, and I would definitely never recommend these movies to you guys because I, you know, they're like the plot is almost incoherent and they kind of work as a, uh, just like a fun dead on stylistic parody of Wong Kar Wai's Chunking Express and Ashes of Time in the (laughs) early nineties. So it's, it's like, it's built for me. Um, Mm. and it's just, it's great fight scenes and pretty funny stuff. Um, for the first, you know, it's two and a half hours. It's basically one movie just split in two, um, with the last half hour just pivoting into pretty emotionally effective tragedy. It was, uh, it was awesome. Part one's a four and part two's a four and a half, but it's really just, it feels like one movie. Um, and then I I posted a letterbox review of this. I watched a Wim Wenders million dollar hotel. Oh, which mm-hmm. is yeah. a movie from 2000 that uh, really I, I I don't know why this exists. It definitely <laughs> like fits into this kind of um, weird time for like a overly dramatic, tryhard emotional indie movies. And this thing has like, this just really bizarre ensemble cast led by Mel Gibson and Jeremy Davies. Um, Jeremy Davies is this sort of mentally unstable dude living in this hotel with a bunch of other junkies and misfits like Mia Jovovich and Jimmy Smith as this artistic and eccentric, uh, like native American, uh, Indian artist. It's, uh, it's bizarre and someone gets murdered. And so Mel Gibson is an FBI agent who shows up in a, uh, a neck brace to solve the crime. And gets to know all the misfits at the hotel. Isn't it like a, uh, isn't the neck brace like electronic though or something? Like doesn't it do something for him? Yeah, I watched like weird. half this movie I, when uh, I was younger because uh, I was I just Mila Jovovich is was like my favorite person on earth because right. she's so hot and uh, <laughs> I used to watch everything she was in and I tried to watch this I got halfway through it but I didn't finish it. Hey, what's up with your yeah. fucking dog, man? <laughs> She does nothing in this movie. She's she's just the object of affection. I see. Hold on, hold on one second. Okay. okay. <laughs> Kevin, you wanna you wanna jump in? So I watched uh, the Dead Don't Die the other day. Oh yeah, it's a Jarmusch zombie. Yeah, Jar- Jarmusch zombie movie. It's it's good. Um. Our Kevin Jarrett's back. <laughs> right. Just <laughs> kidding with you. I mean, like... Yeah, sorry I, about that, I guess. Yeah, didn't really have much more to say about it than that. Like, Did you I, like I, it? I, I liked it. They're, they're funny. There are funny parts. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's it's kind of Jarmusch doing a zombie movie, and it's quirky and This weird. is another one I'm just... I'm terrified to watch, because I know I'm not going to like it, and then I'm going to have to be like, that's a, that's a drama show I don't like now, and it's like, what's he doing? I mean, I feel like... I feel like you would watch it and be like, eh, alright. It's not Dead Man. <laughs> I mean, no. They all uh, need to be Dead Man. He just needs to get back into the Western, man. Make another Western, guy. <laughs> yeah, make, make, make another Western, make another movie in Memphis. Um... Mm. 
That too, maybe. Uh, make it, make another movie in New Orleans? Just make movies with blood squibs in them, not CG blood. Because this man, you know, Jarmusch, uh, king of the blood squib. Like, he's got the best squibs in his movies. Anyway. Mm. A Million Dollar Hotel, though, just to jump back real quick. Uh, story by Bono? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently conceived by bono and features bono's music so that's a negative yeah, that's, sure. that's a that's a hard no for me yeah that's pretty rough man i i mean you shouldn't watch it no i would mm. don't watch it peter stormari's in it though i mean he's in everything yeah, though and he's he's doing uh he's playing like a, a don a john lennon impersonator it's oh, dear bizarre that's well you know this is uh this is during that time period i feel like when uh Inventors was doing a lot of uh, shit like this, you know, just kind of weird, quirky, <clears throat> truly bizarre shit. Mm. Um, I've, I've owned the land of plenty for years and never watched it. Mm. So <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. Well, uh, I don't I, I don't have anything else that I've logged, but I did watch Beowulf. Uh, not the Christopher end. Lambert version. I watched the uh, the the Roger Avery version. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. Yes, the Zemeckis uh, motion <laughs> capture film. I didn't watch the entire thing, so I didn't log it. But I watched uh, most every scene of it with my classes because we're reading Beowulf right now. Oh right, and, um, yeah. Sort of finished it, quote unquote, today. And mm. uh, I'll just say, I feel like it's really underrated. I don't understand like how this movie is not more highly regarded just just from, from in the fantasy community in like the nerd community i don't understand how they don't just worship this shit yeah it's like it's so co- much better than like like jackson's lord of the rings and hobbit films i've only seen the first hobbit movie but i've seen all lord of the rings films and um it just it's so much that you know, <laughs> I don't understand how you how you like that shit, but you don't like this. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, especially like like the screenplay is co-written by Roger Avery and Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. which, you know, it's a good I mean, it's good. It's <clears throat> rather brilliant how they condense things in it. Uh, just having, you know, being really deep into Beowulf right now and mm. reading it and pouring over it every day, several times a day with different classes. Uh, it's just interesting to see like, okay, you know, they don't want to make a three and a half hour epic, which is what you'd have to do because there's mm-hmm. so much time and uh, characters and everything. So they condense things by, you know, like I like the idea that they make Rothgar, in the, who's the king of Denmark, they make him into Grindel's father. That he that there's this, they essentially take Grindel's mother and make her a much, much larger character who spans the entire uh, story. And it's just, it's yeah. very, very smart. Yeah, uh, it's very Arthurian yeah. in that way oh, yeah. because like like Arthur turns out to be uh, Mordred's mm-hmm, father, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Mordred is the one who kills Arthur. So we've also been watching scenes from Excalibur, although I can't find a lot of the good scenes on YouTube, and I don't have oh. a DVD of Excalibur anymore. I only have the Blu-ray, so I can't watch it in my classroom. But uh, it's you're, not, you're not just gonna get like a twenty-dollar Blu-ray player to bring in. No, I I have a uh, I have an external Blu-ray player actually, an mm. uh, external drive, and I brought it in, and it doesn't work because there's no software on the computer to play Blu-rays, <laughs> so it's what? complete bullshit. But uh, yeah, so I have to watch stuff if it's not on Prime, I have mm. to or, or Criterion Channel, which I also have access to. But I have to watch it on uh, YouTube, and they what? have a few scenes, but not not some good key scenes. I wanted to show them, but um, well, anyway, so yeah, so I would just <laughs> I know also just one last thing is that. Uh, 
I don't know why, but this popped into my head recently just because I, I re-listened to a, another podcast about the Predator series and, mm. and, and also the Back to the Future series. And Alan Silvestri did the score for both of those, uh, Predator and all the Back to the Future movies and Predator 2. And uh, he also did the score for Beowulf. He works with Zemeckis a lot. Mm. And I feel like he is tremendously underrated also as a composer. I feel like he's every bit as good as John Williams, mm. except that he doesn't have the same pedigree like he doesn't get nominated 400 <laughs> times every you know what i mean like he has, yeah i think john williams has something like 80 nominations or some shit so it's like yeah he doesn't, look, he doesn't get that many but yeah and that's the funny thing about john williams like he just happened to like he caught he caught a wave at exactly the right time got in with the exact right people yeah and because like he hitched his wagon to yeah. Spielberg's star and like yeah. well like Spielberg um, Oliver Stone Oliver Stone whom uh, George Lucas yeah I mean like you know base like like especially like people of like our generation like basically the soundtracks to their lives so, but it's funny it's like I agree and John Williams his his go to scores you'd say you know like Indiana Jones mm. and. Uh, Superman and, uh, and Star Wars, yeah, yeah. right? But it's like, look, like Alan Silvestri has Back to the Fucking Future. Mm. Like, that's a big score. <laughs> like, that's every bit as recognizable as Star Wars. Well, I feel like when it comes to Back to the Future, people don't remember. They, they might remember the score, but they remember Huey Lewis more. That's that. That's possible. The pop music overshadows. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't get around that. It's just undeniably iconic. But, right. And I think his score to Predator is like mm. uh, both iconic and absolutely incredible. Yeah. But I feel like he just doesn't get talked about. It's. I just wanted to bring him up. Mm. Alan Silvestri is good. Cool. He's good as, you know, like, like I feel like, you know, you always hear about John Williams, you always hear about James Horner, mm. and Alan Silvestri is as good as those two guys. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm tapped out, so, JR, you got something else? No, I'm I'm done. Okay. Kevin? Uh, just one more. I rewatched the uh, Sidney Lumet version of Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Albert Feeney fucking rules as Poirot. Everybody in this movie is very, very great. Like, it's got a big ensemble cast and it Michelle rules Pfeiffer, Johnny Depp. No, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Willem Dafoe. This, this is not, this is not the Branna version. Have you seen the Branna version? I have not. Blake, Blake did. I think he said it wasn't very good. Um, I've heard the same about this. Actually, I've heard this is, I've heard a lot of people would be very soft on this movie. Like it's hmm. not good. I mean, I look, haven't seen it, so I don't know. Well, I mean, like I love Lumet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so you got Lamette directing, and you got Albert Feeney, you got Martin Balsam, you got Ingrid Bergman, Lauren Bacall, Anthony Perkins, Sean Connery, Vanessa Redgrave. Like, that is a wild cast. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, brings all these people together and an amazing story like Murder on the Orient Express, and you've got gold, Jerry. Gold. Gold, Jerry. That's it's gold, gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> yes, four and a half. Why do they call it Ovaltine? The mug is round. <laughs> the bottle's round. round. They call it round team. Team. <laughs> You uh, got to try the swordfish, Jerry. It's the best swordfish in the city. I'll have the salmon. The best. I'll have the salmon. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is the meal. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, Soup's I, not a meal. I could go all day with Banya. <laughs> Kenny Banya. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so let's get into Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Uh, this is uh, my pick. 
It's a uh, four four hour plus epic about the Civil War battle at Gettysburg, directed by Ronald F. Maxwell, who apparently was doing a lot of children's cinema prior to this, mm. and after this only did Civil War movies. So he's done this. He did the sequel to this, which is God and Generals, Gods and Generals, and then he did another movie uh, rather recently, I've, but which is also about it's about a family during the Civil War. So it's mm. kind of a peripheral um, Civil War story, but. This movie stars uh, Jeff Daniels, as we said, uh, Martin Sheen, Tom Berenger, and a special appearance by Sam Elliott mm. and C. Thomas Howell's in it. Uh, yeah. So from 1993, uh, and I guess before we start, I'll just say um, when I when we told Jr. that this was the pick, he was obviously upset. He doesn't want to watch a four and a half hour movie. He's not a Civil War buff, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but he also was upset that it was a mini series, which I I don't I can't find definitive information on this. I, mm. As far as I've read, it was produced for television. But Tur- Ted Turner said it's better than television. We're releasing it wide, and they did. And then after that, they showed it on TV. Mm. So it's I don't know what you'd call it. It feels like it exists in a weird amorphous uh, gray zone or something. But yeah, like it I definitely mean, it, has a miniseries feel to it. Sure. And, and you know, it's like length does. lends itself to a miniseries. Right. Sure. And from like the like early 80s, like on like miniseries were a big thing. Like, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what obviously that's what they were going for initially. You know. Yeah. Like this is going to be the next Shogun guys. Or North and South or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. Um, but anyways, what did you guys uh, think of this four? I watched the f- director's cut four hours and 34 minutes, I believe. Mm. Jared? Yeah, that's what I watched. And Kevin, you believe you watched the regular theatrical version. Yeah. Four hours and 17 minutes or right. four hours and 19 minutes or some shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, I watched it over two viewings, but I still feel like it went a lot quicker than I thought it would. Like... It it definitely like I don't think there were any like uh like super like down moments in it cuz cuz like any of the like quieter moments are usually like very character oriented so I feel like that's that's a plus for the movie um yeah so it w- it wasn't like a slog like I thought it could be um the first thing I want to talk about is Tom Berenger. Okay. I like him a lot in this movie, but I feel like a lot of the times it's like, okay, like he's doing really good stuff here. But then it but then sometimes it's like he's just tired and kind of phoning it in. Did anyone else <laughs> the end feel of the that day. way? Yeah, I mean <laughs> probably well, done the take like 900 times. I'm yeah, done, yeah. done doing this, Ron. Can't do it anymore. Yeah, I feel like yeah. The, the, isn't the tired, reluctant, exasperation kind of part of his whole thing? Yeah. Like, he sees the writing on the wall. And For just, sure, yeah. He yeah, has I mean, no his, way to fight it. His scenes with with Martin Sheen mm. in particular where he's just kind of like, he wants to just be like, you're out of your fucking mind. But he's trying to be respectful. And he's like, yeah. sir, I really don't think this is going to work. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, live to fight another day. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I mean, just... I don't know. Well, before we get into the acting in general, I was going to say the acting in general, but JR, what did you think of the movie? Um, I, uh, <laughs> in general, in general, I liked this movie. Um, 
you know, it was it was never boring. You, you sound like and you like it. I was grateful for that, and um, it was long. I watched it like two and a half hours one night, two hours the next. I uh, but I thought it was kind of like schizophrenic. It occasionally looked just like cheap as fuck, dog shit to me. Like uh, the helicopter the shots, shots were filmed from the back of a pickup what yeah i, I agree with that but the, especially the helic the aerial shots that they tried to do like especially towards oh, the yeah. end they were just like so shaky i was like what are they doing <laughs> like where is this camera what is this attached to because i don't even understand what's going on right now mm. it looked like it was handheld I, I, from I, a helicopter right <laughs> I, I don't think max is maxwell right yeah right his name yes i don't think he ever like totally gets a good handle on on making the scale of the battlefield big enough. Mm-hmm. I'd um, agree with that. I, like, I, I think the, the Sam Elliott battle in the beginning and the, uh, you know, the Jeff Daniels, um, the battle on, like where they're guarding the hill, they just the they feel very small. Yeah. They, the, but the final, the final battle does not feel quite as small, but still doesn't feel like a giant battle. Um, well, however, they shoot themselves I in the did, foot by saying that they're saying how many men there are, right? I mean, they're like, they're, right. you're going to have 15,000 men. And I'm like, oh my God, like, how are yeah. they going to shoot 15,000 men? Right. Well, they don't. They shoot like 600 guys, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> there there are other parts, though, like when in the beginning when they do, or in the middle too, the day for night camp shots. I actually thought that looked really good. Um, mm. when they do a crane shot in the final battle, like where they're panning over the Northern forces waiting behind the rock wall for the final Confederate charge. I thought it looked like it was, it looked like it was from like a, a classic sixties war movie. Like mm. there were just like, a, like little moments. Like I was like, how did he get this one moment? So good. And then others. So <laughs> not good. Um, and then, of course, there a guy in the last battle gets uh, shot in the face by a cannon, and it was that was just really exciting. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best, uh, best bloodless death I've seen recently. Yeah, it was pretty good. I liked. Uh, I mean, just speaking quickly of the of the violence in the film. I mean, I was expecting it to be entirely neutered since it's you know was made for television. And it's rated. I think it's rated PG or something. Mm. But there were some uh, squibs in it, and there was some what I thought was quite good. I, I, I very much enjoyed the battle where they're in the forest, and uh, Jeff Daniels is holding the, the line. He orders the bayonet charge and all that stuff. I liked I like the fact that he's using a pistol constantly. And, like those guys are just running up and he's just shooting them kind of, like with a pistol and he's like really really exactly he's really really aiming. It's so I love that shit and uh I like the you know when when he uh captures that Confederate officer and all that stuff. Those are all really good. So, I really I really that's the scene for me that I enjoyed the most and I I'll just say I think Jeff Daniels is quite good in the movie and I wish mm. the movie were just about him and his I situation. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't find, I thought Tom Berenger was fine. Mm. I thought Martin Sheen was pretty bad in it actually. And I was just really, every time they cut to the Confederate stuff, I just got really disappointed. I'm like, I just want to yeah. go back to Jeff Daniels and see Thomas Howell. And they're like sibling, yeah. you know, squabbles. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that was really very much, much more interesting. What, uh, what do you think guys? Is this a smoothie anti-self? No, I feel. I feel like. Well, I was reading. Uh, Sorry, that was a joke. I know Ebert. Yeah. Ebert was saying that it's uh, like his review was scathing. I guess, and he said that it was pro. You know, he's like pro Confederate. Oh. 
bullshit, mm. or maybe it was Siskel who said this. I don't know. Anyways, one of them said mm. it, and uh, and I was I was about midway through the movie when I read that, and I was like, I don't really see that. But then by the end of the movie, it really I don't know. It's like it's it's feel like you said it's schizophrenic. It feels like it doesn't know what side it wants to be on. It just wants to tell this completely objectively. But mm. the problem is that they've got Randy Edelman yeah. with his Casio score, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and it's like he's this this heroic music while the Confederates are attacking, and then the same exact heroic music while they're getting slaughtered. So it's right. like I don't yeah. know what what I'm supposed to be feeling, but in this movie, like well, who, who think, side am I, I on? I think the movie wants to recognize people like uh, Tom Berenger. Who who make for a great character and a great hero on like the wrong side? Yeah, mm. uh, I kind of respect that. And also, I think that uh, Gettysburg is like one of the most damning portrayals of General Lee I've ever seen. Sure, because yeah. like they yeah. make him out to be batty, and and maybe this is like a southern thing because we all obviously grew up in the south. But like J- Lee is presented as a. Uh, He's basically presented as the Tom Berenger figure, like in our history books, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. he was the great general, the good man who, like, just was forced to be on the wrong side based on where he was born, you know. And that's uh, I don't know right. if that's true, and I don't know if um, you know everyone learns that in history class like we do. But this is a yeah, this definitely made it seem like Robert E. Lee was. Uh, past his prime a little out of his head trying to force mm. something that could happen and it also doesn't help that i, I thought sheen was just f- fucking awful yeah. i hated and his accent was just out mm. of he was out of his mind it was goofy it. it was just really goofy it was like yeah it was he, like you don't need you're doing too much like it's too much of an accent and I, it made yes. me want to watch gods and generals i don't know when i'll get to that because it's three and a half hours but mm. You know, Robert Duvall takes over for Lee, and he apparently he was the original choice for Lee in this. And I feel like Duvall obviously is the stronger actor out of the two, and I just would like to see what he does with the character. You know, mm. yeah, because there was like it's it's like way too southern gentleman yeah. as as opposed to like general. Yeah, it was goofy. And I mean, I, but yeah. I, I do respect. Well, I, I, I agree though. Well, I, so I I just don't understand what is going on. Here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, like. Mark, you're Martin Sheen for God's sake! Like you're better than this, and you know it. Yeah, uh, apparently he was a last minute hire, also. So oh, it's like okay, they were okay. they they wanted uh, Duvall. Duvall had accepted and was doing research and stuff, and then <laughs> something fell through. The contract fucked up oh, or something, okay. and they had to get him, and it was like a last minute thing. So maybe that explains his, uh, you know, atrocious uh, accent. But yeah. he didn't have time to work on it as much. But uh, I agree that you know um, I like the portrayal of Lee as a almost like a uh, he's not bumbling but he he makes poor decisions and it seems like they're out of arrogance a little bit like i'm lee i'm general lee i know what i'm doing and everybody respects me and they love me and i'm gonna make the right decision we're gonna go through the center that's where to go you know (laughs) it's like because he's you know yeah and he's a little bit like you say just passes prime but i like i i respect the fact that they treat it that way yeah and like i i liked i like the fact that they went sort of out of their way to like humanize both both sides um cuz like in the very the very beginning of the movie you have Jeff Daniels being uh saddled with a bunch of deserters and uh what was it mutineers yeah um and he's like showing showing them some compassion and you know give gives them a little speech 
Um, you can do whatever you want with them. You want to shoot them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I love I love that that leads to the Jeff Daniels speech to yeah. them that where he's like, you know, it's the, apparently I've been told I can shoot you, and he goes, "Well, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> it's just yeah. like he's so he's so subtle in the movie, just so like calm and yeah, he never gets demonstrative. That's why I sent you guys the clip of him yelling bayonets because it's so ridiculous. It's like out of nowhere, he never <laughs> screams or raises his voice, and all it's just out of fucking nowhere, he just screams bayonets in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found it very funny. Yeah, but uh, I I forget the actor's name. I know he was in uh, he was in Lynch's version of Dune. Um, he was like one of the generals. Like he gets he gets shot and like he's about to be carted off to the hospital tent. Like uh, can you can you talk to can you tell General Hancock blah blah blah? I was like, well, sorry, sir. General Hancock has been has been has been killed in action. Like, not all of us. Like, not both of us. Not both. Not yeah. all of us. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like this. Yeah. Like this whole thing of like, like yeah, it's like. I mean, it's, it sounds sounds like cliche. It's very corny. There's a lot yeah, of corny sound, yeah, shit. Yeah, sounds in the very movie. corny. But like, yeah, it's like brother against brother, neighbor yeah. against neighbor, and like all the philosophizing about mm, that too. It just feels like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like low hanging fruit. That's easy stuff yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. write in there. Of course, that's that's sure. That's what they're talking about before the right. battle. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but yeah, I mean, that is kind of like I remember in the Civil War class that I took in college, like like apparently like um like novels like Ivanhoe and like other like um medieval romance novels were like hugely popular in the South cuz like the South saw itself as this romantic sort of uh place where chivalry still existed and so like I I I can see why they would put that sort of thing in the movie. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily buy that that version of how the South saw itself back yeah. then. I mean, there um, seems to be like but, there seems to be a huge focus mm. on the South as like like indivi- like in individual states, right? It's like yeah, we're, yeah. we're Virginians. We're gonna fight for like it's it's like at the end when the guy's giving the speech to them before they make their charge. He's yeah. like for Virginia, for Virginia, for your homes, for your wives, for your sweethearts. And I'm just gonna be like, what about for slavery? Because like that's what I mean. That's not that's what, that's yeah. the real thing, right? That we're trying. We're, uh, you know what I mean? Like it, it's states' rights, sure, but I mean the states' right that you're yeah. looking for is the right to have a slave, right? And it's yeah. just like they seem to be kind of whitewashing it a little bit because they don't want to deal with the the nasty part of it. Yeah, which which I can understand, I, but like like if you don't want to if you don't want to go that far, then like skip the speeches, maybe. which which they can't really do yeah, because it's right. an you know war. You gotta have something to fill the four and a half hour time. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, well, like, so that makes that kind of makes uh, Ebert's review justified. Then you know it's probably well I didn't read it, but maybe that's part of what he was mad at. Like it's not. I don't think it's it's on the south side, but it definitely does skirt that issue. Yeah, and even mm. when slavery comes up, um, yeah, and like Tom Berenger is like, we should have freed the slaves and then fought this war, right? Which sure, yeah. I don't know how that makes sense with how you know the south <laughs> got into the war, but whatever. we should have freed the slaves and drafted them into our army. <laughs> Which, like, I, I I was intending on reading more about the actual Gettysburg battle on like Wikipedia, but I just, you, you almost have to, to though. And I was going to say yeah, that too. Yeah. This movie is so uh, concerned with the minutia of facts and like mm. dates and positions of 
soldiers and stuff. I was almost like I feel like I should have read a book about this or something before yeah, I watched yeah. the movie because I'm I don't know it's it's <laughs> but, like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah like apparently like the uh, I do not the, get tactics yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. but like the South like captured like escaped slaves and black people who were born free in the North right. And, like, I think they ended up, like, doing either body duty or maybe they sent them out as cannon fodder. I don't know. But, yeah. Come to think of it, I don't think there's any black people in this entire movie. There is a... Uh, no, there's the runaway slave. Yeah, there's the one... He doesn't have any oh, lines, though. right, right. <laughs> He's just sitting there, and then they get a, they get right, a doctor for him. Right, But there is apparently a, a major... Uh, uh, I don't know how major, but she's, like, third-billed uh, female... Uh, African American character in Gods and Generals, so oh, okay. maybe they wanted to remedy that or something. I, don't know. Mm. I feel like um, the the battle sequences are difficult to follow in some situations, especially the early ones. The Sam Elliott one, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what was going on there. Yeah, and I feel like it's weird that they tell it from his perspective because he's looking at it from like you know a million miles away, and I can't even I don't know what he's looking at. And then it's like. Towards the end of the film, the last battle, I, I swear to God, they show the this, the Confederates marching for like six solid minutes. I'm just, like just walking through a field. I'm just like, I don't need to watch this. Like they could, why is this movie this long? You can edit this part out. This doesn't need to be here. It's, it's twenty. It's twenty minutes of not not just marching, but like the whole build up. Yeah. To like, okay, we're gonna do this, and then just like the setup. And the marching for it to happen is is twenty minutes long. Yeah, and it's insane. Maybe and I don't know, and I don't know. Maybe that's something that they did cut out of the version Kevin watched. But like, I was like, I'm on, I'm on the fifth fucking hour. Yeah. Like, let's let's go. <laughs> I re- I remember Tom Berenger talking about like, like they're going to be marching like more than a mile to get to yeah. this line yeah. over open ground. What the fuck are we doing here, General? Yeah, <laughs> but it's like we don't need to see them march that yeah, entire mile. But then, right? like I, I don't. I. I mean, I could have seen them. It takes about twenty minutes to walk a mile. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. <laughs> I mean, I could have. I could have seen them march that long, but I, I genuinely don't remember. What I do remember is like the like you know heroic score as like these guys are literally being picked off one by one. And it's like, um, maybe get, maybe, you know, put it in like a minor key now. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I found, I I found, I found the score to be pretty bad. Just really bad. Mm. And Edelman is not a, he's no slouch. I mean, I I, want to say he was involved in the last of he can score. So he's, he's not a, uh, he's not a bad, uh, composer necessarily, but Mm. anyways, um, the facial hair. I mean, you know, I it, it's just. I think it speaks to the budget that yeah. they didn't have time to let people grow facial hair in this. Except for apparently, I mean, Jeff Daniels, his looks real as fuck. Yeah, everybody else looks like it's been I pasted think, on. I think Stephen Lang's looks decent. Stephen Lang looks. It looks real but he, too. But I agree. he has one of those faces right. that just is made for like. He probably had like that had that haircut beards. before the movie even started. You know what I mean? Right. It's right. Like, which guy? Which guy was Stephen Lang? Pickett. Pickett. General Pickett. The guy, the funny <laughs> general guy or whatever. So I've lost my uh, my regiment yeah. or yeah. whatever. Yeah, he's pick, the Pickett's charge. I love that uh, Jeff Daniels as like a tick blows his mustache. Yeah. Like he, like he, when he sighs, he like just kind of <laughs> blows it out of his mouth. It's good. It's a really yeah. weird fucking mustache. 
Yeah. It's it, it yeah, but he I don't know. I really I just I can't say enough. He's he's far and away the redeeming quality for the film for yeah, me. Yeah, he's I definitely really the, enjoyed the best in the movie. I like his whole thing. Like I was saying his whole thing with C. Thomas Howard, don't call me Lawrence, you know, in front of the men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it seems very real. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I guess we should talk about Sam Elliott. I I'm curious to know mm. your your guys thoughts on on his performance in particular cuz uh, I'm not really sure what to make of it, to be honest. <laughs> I think it was fine. Yeah, I didn't think it was terrible, I, but I didn't think it was great. Um, I mean, he's like serviceable. Okay, I guess would be the word. Okay, JR? I think I because I didn't really understand the tactics of what was happening. I kind of just didn't get why he was there, why or how they were winning, and then all of a sudden they weren't. And then he just goes away. Yeah, I guess because his troops are relieved. My thing is like he he seems like he's like overly emotional Mm. throughout his performance, and like I don't know what he's like. It's the same thing. Like I don't understand what's happening, so I don't know why he's emotional exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and and I almost feel like he's he's like the mirror, um, like the northern mirror of Tom Berenger's character, but like is much more expressive with his thoughts mm. than mm, yeah. Berenger. Like I can see that he's, he does seem to be like thinking about all this and, uh, philosophizing about what can I talk about war in general and stuff. Yeah. Things that I imagined were going on in Tom Berenger's head, but he was not saying, yeah, um, there's a lot of show and there's a lot of telling and not showing in, um, uh, what's his face's scenes like he's like he's talking a, a lot about like what's going to happen like they're you know they're going to come up here and this is and they're going to do this and then we're going to we're going to do that and and then like a little bit of what he talks about happens but again like because it's such a small scale like you don't like there were like something like you know like over a hundred thousand soldiers involved in Gettysburg over the three days and like you really you don't like we said earlier you don't get that sense of scale right it feels like a lot of really tiny skirmishes and then yeah. like one medium sized battle yeah yeah <laughs> you know but i mean yeah, that's yeah Sorry. no go ahead go, go ahead well i was going to say the last battles kind of an issue because there is there's no tension and not even just because we know from history class mm-hmm. like the outcome of this battle but just because it's so set up to be a massacre, a one-sided massacre, and it just plays out like that. So it's a yeah, it's a hard uh, climax to to pull off. Yeah, it gets very world. It gets very much like every World War One movie. Like it's you know, there's a lot of tension in the trenches, and then uh, you know, like other good band name. Hmm? What's what? that? It's a good band name. T- what? What? Is it, what was it? Tension in, the, in the trenches. Tension in the trenches. Oh yeah, yeah. Sounds <laughs> more like an album title for like a, oh, like yeah. a hair yeah, band yeah, or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> better, better album. Trenches. Right, right. But yeah, like there's a lot of stuff going on, and then uh, then the army goes over the top, and all and they all get slaughtered, and not not much not much else yeah. happens. Do you guys feel unless, like unless you're talking about all quiet on the Western Front? Do you guys feel like the uh, I'll just I'll I won't ask I'll say it I feel like it's got a pretty romantic feel of about war 
Yeah, like it's like it's I not, definitely agree with it's that. It's not uh, obviously not violent so much or graphically violent. And then it's like even when like it seems like when people get wounded, they just keep fighting. You know, they don't. Yeah, they don't, they're not hurt really. Like the guy who gets shot in the arm and he's just yeah. still holding the rifle and shooting yeah. guys. Just, well, if you're gonna get shot somewhere, might as well get shot in the arm. Right. Yeah. I, I it just seemed like uh, very romanticized. Yeah. It's like that, that line from uh, like Three Hundred. Say what? I was gonna say I think that's like for two two reasons. Like uh, it emphasizes like how um, this war was all about ideals mm-hmm. in a right, way that right, um, right. wars don't seem to be fought anymore. Like how you volunteer because you believe in this war, yeah. and then also just like it's it, it does feel like a romanticization of uh, like just of classical war, non-modern war, how it was like a, mm. a chess match fought between brilliant minds. Right. Um, which is, you know, it's, you know, it's like a, it's, do you guys listen to a uh, hardcore history? It's like a big Dan Carlin thing. Um, no, I never heard of it. It's like hard for us to imagine this kind of war because it, it is, it's this different kind of game. than wars Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like that's that's another thing that you kind of see in like World War One movies because like it's they're still trying to play, they're still still trying to play chess yeah. in that way, but they have like literal murder machines. Yeah, and so like like all you know, like it's it's an entirely different animal. A lot of it comes to from the, like in Gettysburg, it comes from like these these scenes where it feels like there's a an inordinate amount of scenes where one guy is telling another guy how incredible he is at doing it. And it's like, uh, it's an honor to fight with you, sir. And it's like, I feel like there's like 10 <laughs> scenes where that happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> just like that feels very much like war is honorable and amazing. And yeah, it's just yeah. So these guys are so fucking cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it feels very like nerdish, like civil war, you know, uh, reenactor nerd time. And I know yeah. that all the extras were civil, civil war reenactors, which, also leads me to ask, like, why wouldn't they have more Civil War films? If it's so easy, it's be so cheap. The Civil War reenactors mm. have their own shit. Yeah, they dress yeah. themselves. They have their own <laughs> muskets. Like, you don't have to do anything. You just show up with a film camera, you know? Right. <laughs> you just shoot them. Anyways, but uh, I guess, you know, because these movies, didn't, <laughs> these movies didn't do well, so that's probably why they don't do it. But. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, because, like, that's, that's the thing. Like, I feel like... Probably when this was made, and like especially now, like it would be really hard to like get into that mindset of wanting wanting to see more stuff about about people fighting for slavery. And it's also, I mean, the movie—it's too soon, too soon, too Too soon. soon, Yeah, yeah. yeah. The movie has not like I think it. I think it. lacks of like a focus on a main character like i mm. feel like if you ma- you wouldn't make this movie now because now you wouldn't make a movie about the soldiers it would be about it'd be the civil wars going on in the background and there's some other situation right, right. you know uh yeah like um uh well uh i was gonna i was gonna say hostiles but like the civil war had already ended oh in the, in something that like that or even like uh, an example i kept thinking of over and over again was cold mountain oh yeah and, yeah yeah you know and cold mountain is about uh, a deserter from the army and then you know it's the civil war is happening but it's not you know something that he's involved in and right it's just uh i feel like that movie is i mean you know full disclosure huge fan of cold mountain here but but i saw it four times in the theater uh <laughs> 
but that movie, <laughs> that movie, uh, I feel like it's more is a lot more successful because it has a very like focused story, you know. Whereas this movie is not; it doesn't even have a story. It's just it's about a battle, right? You know, and the battle. If you don't understand the historical significance of the battle, then it doesn't matter to you when you're right. watching it. And they don't. I don't think they do a good job of explaining the historical, except mm. for to say constantly have characters say this battle is going to change the war and it's going to yeah. decide the outcome and all, you know, it's just, yeah. but like, I don't, I don't then, know what any of that means, you know? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then like, uh, at the, at the end when they like say what all of the soldiers went on to do, like, uh, the, the war didn't end here. Went on for another two bloody years. Which Big I assume is war. covered in gods and generals. No, Gods and Arrows is a, another... it's like a prequel because it's six, oh, 61 what? to 63. It's about Stonewall Jackson, so it's about 61 oh. to 63. Wait, right. So, like, but Jeff Daniels plays. The he same plays guy. the same guy, but everybody else who's in it, who's in this, it plays somebody different. Like, Stephen Lang plays Stonewall Jackson. Okay. And uh, I think there's a few other. Yeah, because I think they mentioned in, in the very beginning Billy of this. Billy Campbell's in it, and he's in this too, apparently. <laughs> I think in the very beginning of this one, like, Stonewall Jackson has just died. Right, I think that sounds right. Yeah, sixty-three. Yeah, it was sixty-three when he died. So, right, anyways, right. but um, uh, I guess I'll just say real quick. Uh, this is just a nitpick, but can they not aim cannons at the time? I mean, it feels like they're just Apparently shooting not. cannons and they're just sh- hitting the middle of the fields and stuff. I was like, there's a line of guys right there. Just shoot at them. They're right there. Yeah. I, I'm guessing that that there's like I don't know. Maybe the way the cannons like move when fired, and just it's maybe it's like an erratic, hard yeah, thing to to gauge and aim. But I, you know, I already said I don't know fucking tactics. It seems very. It. it just seems very like uh, you know not efficient at all way right. of way of killing people. I thought Stephen Lang was good, but mm. uh, over the top, but fun. Yeah, uh, I, I, he was like he was, Stephen Lang in the early nineties. Yeah, exactly. Over you know, the top, he, but fun. Lovely in yes. Tombstone. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, way better in Tombstone, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I found the British character in ins- Avatar insanely annoying. The uh, the British guy with the little hat oh, right. on the oh Confederate side. He was yeah. a yeah. nightmare. I like <laughs> that, about was... that huge scene where that guy is telling him about Virginia, and he's just uh, yeah, like staring yeah. at him. I'm just like, this guy's got a brilliant. Go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah just it was brilliant. Just, <laughs> I couldn't. So you're it. going to do something that's smart? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, and I was going to ask, uh, I mean, we don't have a lot of time left, but I was going to ask if um, any other Civil War movies that you guys like. I, I like uh, Cold Mountain, I said. so. If I need you... to watch Cold Mountain again. I remember liking it when I saw it, um, but I would definitely have a much more definitive opinion now. Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. You forget, you know. He's, well, that, that, was he's the thi- that was the thing. Like, a, a friend of mine had seen Cold Mountain, and, like, he, like, we, like, he just... He remembered the comedic parts. Oh yeah, yeah. and so like that kind of like took over my view of the movie. Mm. But like now, there's been enough time. Like I would be able to better appreciate the movie for what it is instead of uh, Lord, the Israelites are leaving Egypt. Uh-huh. He's got a shit coming, and it's overdue. It's fun. It's yeah, funny. that's good stuff. And, uh, they make the weather stand out in the rain and say it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> Renee Sawyer. Jr., do you have any Civil War movies you like? I I do like Cold Mountain, but I can't think of a single other Civil War movie. Glory is, I think, the main go-to, right? The Glory no. is a Civil War and movie. And I don't, I don't like that. I movie. do not either. Uh, it's been I a mean, while, but I don't like. I don't remember hating it actually. So yeah, there's a t- there's a, like 
I don't know, maybe 20 minutes of Civil War in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh. Well, um, but, I guess, I, yeah. That, I guess that, that counts. I don't know. I mean, if, <laughs> if, you, if you want. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think I'd necessarily count it. But, uh, well, yeah. uh, I guess that's it. Do you guys it, think, so. uh, oh. last, oh. last question. Oh. Last question. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that... Um, Tom Berenger's general ever got together with that uh, actor spy? I have no idea. <laughs> no? Wait, with, 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 with who? It really felt like that relationship was going somewhere. He got together with who now? Who is it? Tom Berenger and the uh, the spy, the actor. Oh, the Mississippi guy. You guys guy. all remember yeah, Harris? Yeah. yeah. Was his name Harrisburg or Harrison? The guy who, who the guy wanted who, like, a rifle or whatever? Yeah, he's the one who like... What do you mean, do they get together? Like, do they fuck? Yeah, they they were headed that you way. You thought man. they had sexual tension? Oh yeah, that's interesting. I didn't I didn't get that. When when <laughs> when he was like, I can't wait to I can't wait for this to be over and, and see you on the stage. Oh, I do remember oh, saying right, that. They were right, right. classic. They were flirting the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another another <laughs> Civil War movie that I I do remember liking quite a bit. Uh, Ride with the Devil, Ang Lee's uh, movie oh. with Tobey Maguire. It's on Criterion. Okay. I don't that movie, but it is interesting. I used to, I just remember, like, I've, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember loving the action in it, the blood squibs in particular. And, okay. And I remember thinking uh, Tobey Maguire was ridiculous in it, but, uh, <laughs> and Jonathan Brandis is one of his last roles. He's the villain. Oh. But, uh, anyway, uh, star ratings for, for uh, Gettysburg 3.25. I'm going three and a half. Okay, well, I'm going to go low on this one, and I'm going to give it a two and a half, and here's why, just real quick, is because I don't think it justifies its length at all. I think you could cut this movie down to about an hour 40, and it would be like way better than it is, uh, and way, much more watchable. Right. So I don't, I, I don't understand why it's so long. But uh, that being said, uh, JR, I believe it's your pick. It is my pick. So what is your pick for next well, time's episode? I'm punishing all you fuckers. <gasps> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. You are um, going to make us watch Shogun. I knew it. Shogun. Have you even so, seen Shogun? Uh, Satan Tango? <laughs> um, so I have really wanted to watch to rewatch this movie lately. It's been in the news for multiple reasons recently. Team comedy? Um, it's director Bong Joon-ho is... Uh, is you know releasing one of the most acclaimed movies of the year Parasite, this week in Parasite, yeah, yeah. and uh, this movie, Memories of Murder, has actually been in the news in the past two months. Um, don't go look that up until you watch the movie. Okay, I have it downloaded. Uh, I've had it downloaded for years. I've never watched it, <laughs> and it's on. It's it's free on Prime right now. Oh, so. okay, I'll watch it on Prime. But yeah, Memories of Murder. Memories of Murder, directed by Bong Joon Ho from 2003. Yeah, okay. It is uh, it's a, it's a it. super, super breezy 130 minutes, <laughs> not four and a half hours. I, I'll pick something really short next time. <laughs> I'll pick a Norman Mailer movie that's like 65 minutes long or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next time we're going to be watching Memories of Murder, uh, JR's pick. And uh, as always, visit our website at filmiac.podient.co. Write to us at filmiacpodcast at gmail.com with uh, any questions or comments you have. And uh, 
stay tuned for our next episode. Until next time, see you later. Bye-bye.